Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Free podcast. I'm your host, Abigail Moss, and today I'm speaking with both Brianne and Jessica. And Brianne is an intuitive coach and channel, and Jessica is an embodiment coach and astral guide. And I feel so lucky to get to talk with these women today and to have gotten to talk with them every week for a year when we were doing mentorship uh, program together. These are the first women that I got to teach and they've taught me so much as well. And I couldn't be more happy and proud to get to speak with them here today. So welcome, Brianne and Jessica. Thanks for being here. Hello. It's hard to not want to speak over. I, yeah. I was like, how do I, do I say hi yet? Am I going to interrupt Brian? Right. Okay. I want to talk. We're, we're in, we're in, we're in, we're in. Right. Maybe I'll just kind of let you both fill in. Is there anything else you want to add to the introduction, Rianne? Sure. Let's see about me. Maybe just that I have a podcast, Venus and Chiron. Yeah. Which, Which is awesome. Um, yeah. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> So good. <laughs> On that podcast, I talk a lot about intuition and psychic abilities and how to tune into those more and kind of just my experiences navigating that as a person who has been like kind of from early childhood was very, very, very open and didn't have the boundaries or the grounding and had to kind of learn in that way how to develop my abilities. And yeah, and then I feel like I also speak to people that that aren't that and want to develop their abilities more. So feel free to check that out. I have an Instagram. I'm sure Abby will put it all down there. <laughs> yeah, it'll be on the show notes, Venus and Chiron. Um, and yeah. yeah, you interviewed me on there not too long ago. And I have to say like you, both of you ladies, um, you put people at ease and it's so lovely getting to be interviewed by you because I just feel like, you know, seen and heard and you ask really insightful questions. So I highly recommend people check that out. I loved that episode and so many people have messaged me being like, oh my God, Abigail's amazing. So (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I found it fascinating because I downloaded like all of your episodes on my flight to Denver and I know you so well, but that first episode, I was hooked as though I never had met you before. And I was like, I just, I need to keep listening. Even though I was like, but I know, I know, but I was like, (laughs) the way you do it, it's so, it's just like from like an artistic point of view in terms of like the podcast content itself it's just it's a it's really really well made mm-hmm. oh, thank you mm. that's so sweet mm. <laughs> <laughs> obviously we love each other <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um all right jessica do you want to add anything to the intro yeah, so I have a, a podcast as well. <laughs> Everyone does. Uh, it's called the the Good Medicine Show, and on there, I just I bring people on, and, and the main point of the show is to hear people's kind of stories of how they found their own unique medicine, and to let them share that story, and to to kind of touch on any offerings they have or any wisdom that they want to bring to to the hour in a bit that we talk. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Yeah. It's a beautiful podcast, and you also speak on a lot of podcasts. Jessica is a like in demand <laughs> guest, so definitely go and hear her wisdom and her insightful questions. And uh, the Good Medicine podcast, and you're on Instagram as well. Yeah, I'm at a Zen Lasagna. the The podcast Instagram, I've kind of I I've just been really tired of being an online presence. So I'm actually not online right now, but in my, my bio at Zen.Lasagna, you can find my email if you want to reach out or book a consult. That's still open. I'm just not going to be responding to DMs for, 
for the foreseeable future because the internet makes me tired. (laughs) (laughs) Detoxing for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I'll have that, there's links to the show notes for that too. And, you know, having gotten to work with you ladies, I can't say enough good things about your gifts and you both have such unique gifts and so much wisdom from your life and everything that you've overcome and learned over time. So I would highly recommend people checking you both out. Yeah. So thanks for being here. We have a couple of things we thought about talking about today. One was being in a Scorpio sun, I think, and lots of deep inner work happening and how, you know, Scorpio is kind of like the depths of the ocean where there's lots of dark spots, but also a ton of potential for transformation. And I think maybe you mentioned that at first, Jessica, and then I started nodding very emphatically. Yes, I feel that. (laughs) You mentioned that too, Brianne. So maybe we can touch on that first of what is the Scorpio time and how can we best face this time or best move through this time with yeah. some grace? I, will, I yeah. vote to give that one to Brienne because she's uh, <laughs> just the wisdom around astrology. She's well cultivated. Hmm. So Scorpio season, the way I perceive it is it's that death and that rebirth. So there's that huge transformation potential of going from life to death to life again in a new and different way. And I think one of my favorite ways to move through any astrological sign and Scorpio is no exception, especially here in North America is to watch the seasons. I know when I'm, when you're feeling this intensity and this like, cause Scorpio is very intense. Like it's like this intense depth of like emotion. There can be stagnancy and it's, there can be a dredging up of a lot of old stuff that needs to be cleared so that you can be reborn in spring or even so that when we're moving into the winter months, we're not bringing that stuff with us. Like when you look outside at the trees, they're all losing their leaves and they're shedding all of these layers so that they can direct their attention inward during the winter and really like cultivate what they're planning to create in the spring. So I find it really helpful always to look to the seasons as guides and as medicine. So going for walks and just talking to the trees and just noticing the earth and how it's moving through Scorpio season can be a really great mirror for how we can move through Scorpio season. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's too vague. <laughs> no, that's fabulous. Yeah. Go ahead. Just- What's interesting is the the image, and I don't know, this might be because Halloween has has passed and the pumpkins are now rotting, but like the idea of Scorpio season being kind of that, like it's going to sound a little graphic, but like that spiritual rotting phase where it's mm-hmm. not even like the rot isn't bad, but no, like, it's inst- yeah, but instinctually we kind of stay away from it in terms of what we want to consume and we're very consume oriented. So the rotting can feel mm-hmm. very uncomfortable for, I think our culture where when you think about the rotting in terms of death, all that nutrients goes back to the earth. But uh, mm-hmm. something, yeah, mm-hmm. I think people, yeah. I, we're, we're obviously a death shy culture and we put our, <laughs> our people that have passed in boxes and kind of keep them separate from the earth. And yeah, so I think that there's a lot of um, uh, a discomfort around Scorpio season where there doesn't necessarily have to be. I don't think it's natural that there's discomfort around this time of year, but 
Uh, it's mm-hmm. definitely there, especially I notice it in myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I noticed it's funny that you talking about death and talking about kind of the ugliness of like, yeah, like the rotting pumpkin. It's so interesting. When I went through a walk through nature around the Scorpio new moon, <laughs> I ended up like I was searching through everywhere for something beautiful. Like I just wanted to look at the pretty and the nice because I didn't want to look at the ugliness in myself. And then I, I, I noticed I was doing it. So I allowed myself to look at the ugly parts of the world and I just fell in love. I was like, can I love this? And I was like, absolutely. Of course I can. And I just found the beauty. It wasn't even finding the beauty in the ugliness. It was seeing the ugliness as beautiful. Mm. And then I wrote a poem about it and I was like, ah, epiphany. <laughs> that is beautiful. Is that the poem that you shared on your Instagram? Uh, another maybe. One. I can't you remember. Shared an, Brianne's an incredible poet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love what you ladies are saying about that. And it reminds me of a uh, quote I read about by Carl Jung not too long ago. And this is not exact wording, but as I remember it, he said, you know, um, a lot of traditional therapy will try to move you around, like move you away from depression, move you above it and out of it. And he yeah. said, he, he was, you know, you need to grab them by the neck, which is <laughs> a little rough, and go into it. You need to move through it. And it's that, like, let's look away from death. Let's not acknowledge it. And death mm. being like, the death of the body, the death of the decaying leaves, the death of the ego, the death of an old chapter in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, like yeah. you said, in the spring, we can birth a new one. And Absolutely. I feel like it's so healing to have that mindset. Because recently for me, I was just re- processed a really big piece with my husband of this old wound that ha- like started years ago when I came back mm-hmm. from Peru. And I almost went and just had a different life and just lived in the jungle for a long time. And part of me obviously was still like, you could go do that. Maybe you'd be happier. Maybe this life's all wrong. I was like, oh, hello, toxicity. (laughs) That sounds very dangerous. And that came up again. And it was, you know, it was just like both he and I was like, wow, this big pile of poison just showed up. How do we deal with this? And I just like slept for most of a day or morning and processed it and then realized, oh no, that's no, I chose this life and I'm really happy. And that wasn't actually what I wanted. But that old wound needed to come up to be released. But with less awareness, I could have just gone and be like, oh, I need to leave you. I need to go do that life. It's like, no, no, that was an old wound coming up. Because before we started recording, Jessica, you had said, oh, this stuff's coming up because I feel well enough to deal with it. And I feel mm-hmm. like I have a level of awareness and love and stability in my life to process this. Yeah. 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 yeah it, but it, it's, it's difficult because it takes that like quietness and being able to hold yourself enough to realize that that's the truth. And that is like the other day I woke up and the thought that came into my mind was the first thing I heard when I woke up was I have borderline personality disorder. And I haven't had that thought or identified in that way for a very long time. But deep aspects like this whole move to from Calgary to British Columbia has unearthed trauma between age like 10 and 16 when all of that started. So it really does feel like I have that again. But it's not that I have that. It's that I'm moving through the root system of what that was. Mm -hmm. It's like the plant has been cut off. There's no more flowers on that tree of that illness identification, but we're just taking the roots out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you mm-hmm. feel and witness and remember witness and remember as it's leaving. And all mm-hmm. we have to do is a process and not attach to it, which, you know, that's all. It's so simple. <laughs> it's, it's easy, right, ladies? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've been walking the park. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a great time. <laughs> It really does call for that stillness, though. Like, and maybe that's a theme in my life. I know I recently um, did a ceremony with ayahuasca, and a big message that I was seeing was like this: do this, this oscillation in my life between this restless, like rash action, and this like stagnant energy, and kind of going back and forth, which I see in my psyche as the mother and the father in my life. And ayahuasca kept being like can you come back to stillness? Can you just come to stillness? And she was showing me how like, if I can just like the difference between that restless energy of, oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable. I just need to change my situation right now versus that stagnant energy of, oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable. I just need to shut down right now. Mm. And then coming into this stillness state of, I was at work the other day and all of these thoughts were in my head. And I was like, I heard ayahuasca say, what if you were just still? And so I became still and it was so fascinating because you know that feeling when your mind is racing and it's like a ping pong, I don't know, like pew, pew, pew of all these thoughts. I became still and I realized all the thoughts were still. They're just like floating around my aura, just kind of there. And when I was still, it was like, well, it doesn't matter. Like whatever becomes of any of these things will become. I don't need to think about it. I can just do this task that I'm doing. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was easy. It's so powerful. Once you do it, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. It's like the opposite of anxiety, as yeah. I imagine it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. And what what I'm what I'm noticing myself is like a a returning to my feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you talk about the stagnant or the rash, I think within myself my masculine energy either feels stagnant or like it needs to go, go, go. And -hmm. maybe my feminine is where I can find that stillness. But Mm -hmm. like my feminine is so powerful when I remember that it is. But a lot of the time, habitually, my masculine energy views it as weak and vulnerable, something that needs like fierce protection. And that aspect of me will label the external world bad and dangerous where Mm -hmm. if I can soften and find stillness and allow the feminine to be like, Hey, this is okay. We're not in control. We're just flowing. Then my masculine can be like, okay, so I don't need to freak out. (laughs) It's like, no, you don't, you don't need to freak out. (laughs) It doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that age where I was speaking about from 10 to 16, I think my masculine energy really took over and was like, okay, Mm -hmm. we'll create a mask which is very BPD like we'll create this mask and that will protect the inner child. And she just stayed in there and stayed really little and never really had the chance to flourish or evolve. But through working with you, Abby, like, and that's the thing I wanted to mention was I did the mentorship with you, but prior to that for about, I think eight months we worked together and it was only in those sessions with you that like I'd show up at your house and I'd be like, Oh my God, I feel like myself. And then for the next few days, I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm myself. I'm empowered. That would go away a little bit. And then I come back and work with you again. And you were just mirroring or 
like seeing me for who I really was. And that's what led me to even wanting to ask you to do the mentorship. So I think that when you look at Scorpio season, Brian, would you see that as like a feminine or a masculine? I think Scorpio is feminine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the water. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's quite difficult when you're existing within kind of like a not so healthy masculine energy and that's how you operate. I can see that making Scorpio season a lot more difficult than it needs to be. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I'm going to double check the feminine masculine. I'm pretty sure it's feminine, but I feel like you'd be right because the water element there. It is. It is feminine. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that anytime you're in that watery realm, right? It's like the masculine doesn't flow. The masculine, um, I know Jess and I, I used to be on the Good Medicine show and we interviewed someone once who gave an incredible analogy that I use all the freaking time. What was her name? Um, Um, Taylor. uh, Taylor. Taylor. Yes. Yes. Um, And it was about the masculine and the feminine. And it was where the masculine is like the riverbanks and it creates this structure. And without the masculine, and then the feminine is the water. So it's like the water running through. And if the masculine is not present, then the water just has no direction. And it just kind of like goes out everywhere. Mm -hmm. But if it has too much restraint on the feminine, then the feminine isn't able to like move and flow or it could even like flood over. And it's about that relationship of the riverbanks and the water flowing through to create mm-hmm. this like healthy balance within yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you have that within yourself, also mirroring that in relationship mm-hmm. with the other. And I love that description. I, I couldn't agree more with like the masculine versus feminine energy. And mm-hmm. thank you for what you said, Jessica, as well. Um, I think that's really beautiful. And I think I feel like that kind of ties into it too of like the feminine kind of needs to feel safe enough to feel seen Mm -hmm. and acknowledged Mm -hmm. to come out because I found that in myself too it's like when I'm around it's easier now because I like a deeper sense of belonging in myself but that is Mm -hmm. hugely nourished by people who are ready to also be themselves and are Mm -hmm. you know can meet in a similar place and so it it allows kind of opens the door like a channel for the water to flow it's like I'm allowed to be here. I can flow into these channels. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it's interesting that you say that too, because it kind of, I, as you were speaking, I was seeing two levels of that, where it's like the one level of the patriarchal system that we live in and how that has shamed and shrunken the feminine in this way where like it needs that safety in order to be able to express. But then on another level, when I really tune into the feminine in me without any of the masculine present, just that core feminine, it's like an absolute abyss. Mm -hmm. It's just this absolute infinity. Like I'm always just floating in this like dark ocean of like infinite flow and energy. And it reminds me of when I came to you in the mentorship program and it's like, I am so connected. I can see all of these things. How do I structure it? And it's like you need to bring in that masculine energy to be able to bring all of this deliciousness into form in this reality. Yeah, it supports it. The masculine mm-hmm. imbalance supports the feminine and then the feminine guides the masculine. I'm like, where mm-hmm. are we going? Absolutely. <laughs> Which is yeah. why it's so important to heal like these patriarchal wounds because the mm-hmm. masculine historically was controlling of that divine feminine energy Mm -hmm. and and of course the feminine turns toxic as well 
and both of those exist. But when you have that divine masculine and that divine feminine, it's like, whoo, powerful. Mm-hmm. And the patriarchy hurts both men and women. I was talking with Dave about that this morning. You know, mm-hmm. roles and gender roles of how you should be growing up. It's hard for everybody. And to like, for, you know, both men and women to be able to be allowed even to feel mm-hmm. the feminine and the masculine within themselves in a way that feels safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, I've had um, a lot of like the work that I do with male clients, um, especially people that are, are seeking out this, this type of work. Um, one thing I've noticed is that they, a lot of them have had examples of masculinity in their life that have made them not want to have power. They don't want to touch it because they don't want to hurt anyone. But in order to feel empowered, they need to reclaim that in a healthy way. What I I notice when I work with people, sometimes we'll we'll kind of help them kind of split into that masculine feminine. And what I always notice is if there is a belief in the masculine of I need to be in control, then there is the alternative view in the feminine of I'm not safe. Mm -hmm. So then we choose which belief, depending on the day that they're having, what belief do you feel more comfortable working on first? And then once we free that one up, the other one is so ready to be seen and worked through on that like deep body level. Mm-hmm. And then we bring them together. And the words I usually use is let's invite them to dance along the middle line. Mm, that's great. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the way their people's voices change, like the light in their room changes on the video. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's just, if, if, and you can tell they're feeling better. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, but this is a practice. We have to practice unifying these because habitually yes. you're going to want to pull them apart the second you're triggered. So we have to practice unification. And that's even something that I'm probably going to be continuing to learn within myself for years. Yeah. yeah. Ditto. Mm-hmm. Ditto. And, and feeling safe and coming back to that place of grounded, you know, awareness, especially, and it's not just, our past experiences, which I, f- it obviously is a huge part of it. It's also the world we live in. You know, we live in, an, even in nature, if I go into the forest and I see the prey animals, I'm like, oh man, not easy being a rabbit in a mm-hmm. world full of coyotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's part of being alive and we're here and having mm-hmm. this experience of consciousness and yeah. working through yeah. it. You know, and part of me wonders, because we are part of nature. I feel like I'm getting into a bit of a tangent right now. I love it. I love the tangent. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, n- life still feels kind of raw here. Mm-hmm. And it is. And like as humans, we like to kind of pretend to be civilized, but we're still part of all of that and made of that and an extension of nature. And you know, you can see the possessiveness in nature, the fear, the dominance, the brutality, as well as the love and the kindness and the gentleness. Mm-hmm. And it's this duality that's been here for as far as we know. But part mm-hmm. of me feels like as humans, are we here supporting this? Are we here supporting this evolution into a place of more gentleness or more of a feeling of safety? overall through being you know a human animal and awakening to this stuff yeah it's it's interesting what came forward immediately with the it's it's hard to be a rabbit in a world full of coyotes it's the the rabbit right out the gate has an abundance of food all around it for the most part mm, grass true. leaves it can just eat eat whatever it wants but the coyote has to go looking for true. the food and find the food so when you look at it from the perspective of survival the coyote has less threats coming towards it but it needs to 
find the rabbit or it starves mm-hmm. where the mm-hmm. rabbit is just like has to avoid the coyote, but the food is plentiful. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, yeah. this mirror image. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of like, if you ever watch like a, like a documentary that's focused on a lion and you just really want them to get that zebra. And then you watch a documentary focused on the zebra and you're like, Oh, the evil lion. And it's like, right. The beautiful <laughs> thing about nature that I think I would love that I think humanity could benefit from returning to in a way is it's not like it's without pain. It's not like it's without suffering. It's not like it's without this, this devastation that just seems to be a part of the human and animal experience. But like a coyote doesn't kill just for fun. No. When a coyote eats a hare, it's to nourish themselves and their children. It's there's this there's this balance and this harmony and this this respect that nature seems to have for one another. And of course you don't see that in all aspects of nature. There's different things that happen, but I think humanity with our as our consciousness increases, I think we'll have more potential to come back to a state of that where it's like we we take what we need and we give what we can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, balance can return. Yeah. So much power and so much potential and we're either directing it towards total devastation or incredible <laughs> heavenly bliss <laughs> or somewhere in the middle. Can we find the balance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we both exist. <laughs> yeah. And I oh go ahead, sorry. <laughs> No, I was going to say you can see that just in terms of what the world's going through right now with COVID and that decision mm. around uh, vaccine and then the the mandates. It's like we, we're not coming to an acceptance that there's different ways of being here. Mm-hmm. But there's there's very, very different ways of being. Yeah. Yeah. And I could, yeah. I could see both sides of like, you know, fear of getting to have bodily autonomy and you know do what feels right for your body and live in a way that feels natural versus fear of spreading the virus and you know not having control over what others do obviously and mm-hmm. it's just a very strong example of duality and polarity and i think we we're kind of chatting in the bit where it's like you can see both sides but sometimes it's hard to see both like to hold one in each hand at the same time because they both feel so opposing and charged in that way yeah and I know when I watch this like on the news and you see it with a lot of issues these days there's there's such an intense polarization and I feel like from my perspective the medicine that's needed for both parties is empathy and compassion because so often it's just this energy of yeah like nobody's listening to each other each each person is passionately believing their perspective, which is okay, but without listening to the other side, like the reality is that both sides exist and there probably is a middle ground we could get to. But for some reason, there's just this complete separation from that. Nobody wanting to look at the ugly parts of the other Hmm. or each other wanting to look at the ugly parts of each other. (laughs) Yeah. The idea that's coming forward is the idea of like literally like the masculine being on the right side of the body, this righteousness right, of this certainty that the way I'm viewing this is the right way. And it's like, okay, but what if you just left the con- left the conversation for a second and went into acceptance for, for, you don't know what this reality is. You don't know where we're going or what evolution has in her back pocket. 
where like you don't know. And I've been, this has been like a thing that's been coming up for about a year and a half now. Um, the idea of certainty snakes, when I feel tightness in my body, when I feel like I am right, I can almost picture these like certainty snakes coiling up and tightening in my body. And the, what I've realized about them is they're not bad, but they're not pets. I have to let them go. They belong in the wild. I have to let go of my certainty snakes, let them move out of my body, ease, relax. And I work with this wonderful being named Oscar. And when I get into deep certainty about how things are or what I think is right or wrong, he'll remind me that the place that we're standing as living beings is the bardo. Like this is the liminal space between death and rebirth and birth and death. So all lessons are being learned here. All perspectives are available here. And if I want to grab onto one, okay, have fun with that game. But eventually I'm going to have to let that go either when I leave my physical form or to let myself have a more enjoyable life. I can let that go now. Yeah. hundred percent, you know, and mm-hmm. I won't go into it too much, but like to let that go when you leave your physical form, you could choose to stay attached to that. And, you know, you're haunt everybody on this point of me being right. I'm not moving on. I got to prove this still body or no. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> And that's never helpful either. Um, But yeah, it's absolutely. And it's something that, um, so it reminds me of a couple of things. Um, One, neuro-linguistic programming is like a modality where they teach and they talk about, you know, having a map of the world. And we all have our own map of the world. And the way we see things through the filter of our beliefs and past experiences. And then with that, we delete, distort, and generalize the information, the input that we're getting. And so there is no the truth there's the way that i am perceiving it through the filters of my mind always and we're just programmed as humans to experience life that way always i'm like let me make an absolute right now (laughs) um and then um and then with that you talked about like you know letting go of the certainty (laughs) um so we lost brienne for a little while she she was there and then she wasn't there so i'm just gonna recap a little bit because we paused the recording Um, so we're talking about Byron Katie and challenging kind of what you talked about earlier as the certainty snakes, Jessica, and how, you know, the belief of being right and I'm right. And they did this to me and I need to, you know, do this. It's the only way and they are wrong and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And like all those things that make your body go all rigid and tight and your face go red. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like the body trying to reject that. Uh, toxic belief that's not in alignment because your body lets you know when things belong and don't belong there. Um, And I was mentioning how whenever I challenge a belief of something, you know, that feels painful, it feels so counterintuitive. It feels like the most uncomfortable thing imaginable to, you know, push at this pillar of belief that I currently am holding myself up on. But whenever I do that, whenever I say, is it true? Can I be absolutely certain that it's true that so-and-so did this to me or that, you know, the world is blah, blah, blah. Um, And then whenever I challenge that and whenever I ask who would I be on the other side of that, the answer is always free. I would be free without that. And it's really such a both painful and powerful process. That's why Byron Katie calls it the work because it's not necessarily fun but man, is it effective and powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know who said it. Some some Buddhist monk of some sort, but it's that statement of I'd rather be free than right. And I feel like it's really it's interesting. I think you see this with a lot of social justice issues now. And I think it's an interesting thing that I we're trying to figure out how to navigate as a collective because when there's a lot of rage and anger, which I've seen a lot of Mm -hmm. it's, there is this, like, it is valid. Like this anger is valid. This rage is valid. These injustices are true. And really healing that is an inside job in a lot of ways. Of course, everybody, like people all need to choose to do the healing and there is, absolutely a need to communicate that outwardly and to like, you know, activism and things like that are really, really important, but it's interesting. I don't want to generalize, but some of the more, I feel like I see some of the more like radical energies are very not looking at themselves and healing their internal stuff. And so the way that things are communicated can become distorted Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that's. Yeah, I see it as like, and I, I, I can definitely see that, yeah. and I feel like I struggled with that for a while. You know, there's a part of me, and this was for me. There's not mm-hmm. anyone else's experience I can speak to, but for me, it's a part of me like as a healer that wants to be wants to say, don't play a victim. You know, like mm. move on, get it out. And I'm, I'll use the parallel of the Me Too movement because I'm a woman, so yeah. I feel like I can speak to that a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. when there was, you know, a lot of voicing of this happened to me and this happened to me and that happened to me. And there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to identify as a victim. And then it took me a while to get to the point of like, this is just holding space right now. Absolutely. And the rest comes later for those who are ready for it too, who who want to find freedom from that. But step one was holding space. And I, and like having space for that rage to exist like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, anger is valid. Every emotion is mm-hmm. valid. And where does it? Mm-hmm. Where, when does anger get to have a place to exist? Not very often. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. but then the next step is how do we move? You know, rise, move through that, and bring a healing into it. And that's a whole lot of steps that look different for everybody. But I thought it was interesting. Like for me, I and I, I've, I've noticed this in myself in a lot of different ways, and in my relationship, to step out of the role of trying to fix it because like I know how to fix this I'm good at fixing things let's challenge the beliefs let's heal you let's do it right now it's like oh that's you don't want that okay (laughs) yeah I will practice holding space and that was more uncomfortable for me to Mm -hmm. just be okay with them not being okay Mm -hmm. but then on the other side of that is of course freedom (laughs) yep yeah yeah Yeah, it's the pendulum swinging right it's like you have to go to these kind of like opposite extreme states and slowly come back into center Mm -hmm. but there is especially with a lot of the things we're talking about there's this like generational trauma that gets passed on and passed on and suppressed and suppressed and so when you finally are in a place where it's allowed to be spoken and it's allowed to exist it's like like a waterfall of emotion that can come out and it's like and I think our culture does it's interesting to watch like I think that's part of the polarization is it's like not knowing how to hold that. Like people, it's like, well, like expecting to be at that center line now instead of like 
going through the flow of the generations of healing this stuff. Yes. Yeah. How do we navigate that? And it kind of reminds me of the beginning. We were talking about kind of the Scorpio season going into Mm. the depth and the darkness of the ocean. And I feel like we've been kind of going through that for some time since COVID started. And, you know, with with the Black Lives Movement of all of this rising up of, look what's going on. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. And with Every Child Matters, with all of the, the... the bones of indigenous children were found at the residential schools. Mm. You know, it's like, it's, it's so painful to, to feel that coming up. But then at the same mm-hmm. time, to me, it feels like the beginning of healing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's being unearthed. It's being acknowledged. Yeah. Kind of step one. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's not the only step, but it's <laughs> it feels like it often has to be the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's interesting and this is kind of like a, a bit of a tangent, but very like symbolic. I keep having these weird like momentary daydreams or even like waking up at night from having dreams that were depicting um the Queen Elizabeth dying and a mm. ripple that's going to come mm. from that but this term of like like the 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 unhealthy matriarchal that was kind of in charge of mm. what even happened or what's continuing to happen in North America or like Canada I guess cuz North America is including the USA but this idea of like you were saying um the the feminine can be toxic as well so this big mother wound that's also being unveiled right now when it comes to yeah i don't know where i was going with that but i keep having weird little creeping in daydreams about what's going to happen when that falls away that interesting structure of power i feel like for me everything keeps coming back to like empathy and compassion at least my role in everything it's like whenever i see and whatever it's like when i see people being like oh well they shouldn't be this angry or they should be listening more it's like to everybody I'm just like compassion empathy compassion empathy like how like Mm -hmm. how can I hold that space more it's like Mm -hmm. it feels Mm -hmm. like yeah 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 and it's so simple no matter what the context is Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. and yeah when it comes to that compassion empathy the other the other like side of that that I keep noticing in clients especially clients that are trying to have better boundaries with people in their life mm-hmm. that are not at a place of healing or that have abused them. It's like, okay, you can have compassion, empathy, but you don't have to carry their stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't pick yeah, it up. Absolutely. Like compassion, empathy does not mean necessarily putting on their shoes or stepping into that person's shoes. Compassion and empathy extends toward yourself as well. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't feel compassionate for you to let them into your space, mm-hmm. Don't do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious when it comes to, to all of this stuff, and I'm just maybe if, if you, you guys have words on this, um, the understanding and acceptance for everyone and all of their views and having your own boundaries. Mm-hmm. So it's like, because sometimes when I, when I step into that space of empathy and compassion, it feels like my boundaries dissolve. Mm-hmm. It's like, where do you... The, the, this this I-ness of me versus the totality of the us-ness of the yeah. collective consciousness we live in. It, it That's feels, a great, yeah. and I, th- I think it's about the balance. You know, I feel like, mm-hmm. I do kind of feel that too. There's the ultimate oneness and heart union and connection. 
-hmm. But then, you know, the the egoic mind also has a place here to create a sense of separateness. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, if I'm having dinner with Jessica, I want to know to put the food in my mouth and not Jessica's mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I'm me and you're you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's that balance. And I, and I talked about her earlier, but Byron Katie, when she first had her spiritual awakening, she didn't have that balance. Everything, it was just oneness and everyone was her beloved and she would touch them mm-hmm. and hug them and she couldn't really function as a per, like as a person in society f- for a while. Same thing with Eckhart Tolle. He just sat on park benches all day long processing all of the stimuli around him because it was so mind-blowing to him. And mm-hmm. then eventually he was able to ground into a form of structure yeah. And, and linear movement, but it's it, when we've been in such a place of imbalance where there's so much separateness, it can kind of go that awakening can kind of be a gradual dipping in and out of it into the union and connection and back out of, all right, now I need to care for my physical being <laughs> mm-hmm. um, into the separateness. And for other people, it's just this explosion right away, like Byron and Katie and Eckhart Tolle, and then they have to figure out how to bring that balance back in. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so mm-hmm. true. Like, I think that's been a big theme actually for me during Scorpio season has been um, this. I've really been ayahuasca really illuminated to me how deeply I just love everyone and everything, and I can just like see that that core light at the at the essence of every human, and I just have this deep, profound love that I can go into with anybody, like anybody, anything, any object, any being. And I've been really, I mean, my whole life, it's been a practice of boundary with that. I've recognized, but in this past month or so, there's been a lot of tests coming up for me of, okay, like you can see the core light of this person and can you set that boundary with them? And Mm -hmm. they're not, you know, there's all of these layers of distortion above them that are making them act in these toxic ways. Can you love them completely and cut them out of your life? Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you hold? And I have been, but it's such an interestingly excruciating experience to, to hold this like infinite love and create that separation and create that Mm -hmm. boundary. But it's also completely necessary. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, yeah. that's how you just you can't you can't come into the light of you because you're so com- traumatized all the time by all the energy you invite in. Yeah. And the sense that I feel is you holding those two together, just simply doing that is beginning mm-hmm. to bring balance and harmony. The ability to hold both at once is yeah. so powerful, and it begins your energy is going to naturally start harmonizing. Yeah, between the two the of Libra them. Libra with the scales. <laughs> yeah, the balance. That's your sign. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. And it's like, um, I'm forgetting who it was, but they talked about, you know, one of the, the Buddhas and how he's aware of suffering and he feels the suffering of everyone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's joyful. And mm-hmm. to be able to yeah. witness the darkness while also still relish in the light and to feel both then don't need to hide from one or the other mm-hmm. do no harm yeah. take no shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the essence of boundaries right like don't i think buddha was like well, don't add to the suffering 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do your as best. much as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. interesting. It reminds me too. I just keep seeing the visual of like zeros and ones, like that duality, like structure that we've been living in and, and existing in and creating everywhere around us and how challenging it is for our brains to rewire and not just see things as duality. Like you see mm-hmm. this, I think a lot with sexuality and people and their struggles with comprehending that there's more than just males and females and that there's the spectrum of, of gender and the spectrum of sexuality that we can all exist in and like rewiring the brain to see the world in that way mm-hmm. and allowing mm-hmm. things to exa- exist, not just as black and white, but as gray. Like exactly. how do we, how do we flow into that? It's the meaning that we give it. Like we define yeah. it as light or dark or good yeah. or bad. And the soul just wants to have exactly. an experience. It doesn't label it any one thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, it's, it's so much of going back. I find in, um, in the healing journey is just witnessing observe observe don't attach to the labels I allow them to be there but just witness it and I find that like with past life work when I've gone back to a really early life that was one of like my core wounds where I was a hunter and I killed this animal and I loved mm-hmm. the whole experience I felt primal and alive until I looked at the hurt one of the animals in the herd and I made eye contact and I felt this profound pain in the eyes of its family and I realized I had done this. And I had, in that moment, all of these things, I'm mad at nature, I'm mad that it is this way, I'm mad at myself, I'm mad at God, I'm mad at all of these things, mm-hmm. which took several lifetimes of work <laughs> to process. But in this life, going back to that scene, for me anyway, it was, like, it was about, can I continue looking into the eyes of that being and hold love? Even though there's all of these things that I don't like happening, that I yeah. want to be different, can I accept this and sit with this and witness this? And just yeah. allowing myself to stay there and not run away from it was where I found a lot of, was where, it was the healing that I needed to find in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My partner calls this putting on the wet sock. <laughs> it's, not, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. Yeah. It's like the entrance into the God realm is putting on a wet sock. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> the entrance into the God realm, you're going to put your wet sock on and then yeah. we will <laughs> go on our journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's yeah. not. But it's powerful and it's alive and it, it becomes part of, for me anyway, feeling more alive. And it's mm-hmm. it's like a heart opening experience. I feel like that like it's a continuous journey of heart opening, heart opening mm-hmm. and awakening. Just having the visual of the heart opening and it's like the more your heart opens, the more you can hold. Mm, and the more exactly. your heart opens, the more you can hold because yes. you're just bigger and bigger. It like in and of yourself. Yeah. And it kind of has a habit of breaking open. I've mm-hmm. heard people talk about this when they have I don't have children, but people talk about mm-hmm. that when they have children and they say, I don't know. I can hold this much love. And it's like this full cycle. I feel like it can be so powerful when someone comes into the world and when someone leaves the world. Like yeah. when my dad passed away and I just felt, wow, like the bigness of that is just mm-hmm. so big to feel in my heart. Wow. It's yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all based on love at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of collective grief happening right now. Yeah, it just feels like there's like a collective grieving happening. I think like the idea, and a lot of people have talked about, um, like if you look at the astrology community, the moving into the, the age of Aquarius, kind of like on that official, it's the age of Aquarius now. Well, we're grieving the way, the, the old era, the era that's passing away, that, that age of Pisces, right? And whenever anything dies, there's a huge grief because we were, that we were tied to that. It was what an interesting time to be alive where we're moving through that process of like a literal new world unfolding. Yeah. And oh the, my God. The uncertainty of what is, what is life going to look like now? We have no idea what this new age is going to bring. We don't, and it's so exciting yeah. and heartbreaking to be letting go of the old one, and mm-hmm. yeah, the clearing out for a new kind of spring. Sorry, Brand. Yeah, and it's funny because we're that's the the like astrology can put things on such a big scale where it's like we're not even going to see what the core of the age of Aquarius is because it's thousands of years, and we're just <laughs> we're the just this tiny speck. And of course, in different lifetimes, maybe we will play it out, right? But it's it's so interesting to think of, like, when you put it on that scale, it's like, yes, the, like, things take time, things take generations to, like, move mm-hmm. through such a collective. We can do our own individual process, and that helps move along the collective in whatever way we do our process. But it is like this, just, can you be present with and accept what is because it is mm-hmm. and act, obviously also do your part to change because yeah it's the balance change. right it's not, <laughs> not needing it to be different but also doing mm-hmm. your best to, to co-create a good world for yeah. everybody yeah 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 and it's interesting like I think when it comes to like accepting other people's views and accepting other people's um, perspectives on reality, life, right and wrong, you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily get there until you learn to accept yourself and all the parts of yourself that you're Mm -hmm. pushing back Mm -hmm. against, right? And then Amen to that. (laughs) And when you know that you can accept your story and you can read your story with understanding and compassion, empathy, then you get to pick up that pen and start co-authoring. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. then you actually you feel it's like you're in a bit more control and what's interesting is like the people that uh, and there's there's so many people around the world that uh and maybe it's a bit of a a judgment to even assume this that they they, they might not have this level of awareness where they can recognize that that statement from you know jesus that guy that was around of forgive <laughs> them they know not what they do if they mm-hmm. had the depth and the awareness to see what's actually happening, would they be behaving in that way? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's this de- the debate um, out in the out in the world of um, determinism versus free will, and which is it? And I feel like it's both. It's determinism yeah. be- when you're simply reacting through your imprinting and your triggers and your traumas, and you don't yet have the awareness to change that. And then it becomes free will when you awaken to the choice and the power that you have to respond differently and to create what you want instead of yeah. what you just see around you. Mm-hmm. So free will mm-hmm. exists within perspective. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And it all happens within. It, does, it can't happen outside of you. That's an internal switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, the power of going within. I feel like I felt that a lot with my journey through feminism. I think first there was this period of educating myself and learning about myself and learning about the things that were happening, like switching my perspective about the experiences in my life and what they actually were and how they were impacting me. And then, I mean, when I came into feminism, it was very not cool to be a feminist. It was very, I mean, I don't know if it is even now, but like it was where I was living and what was happening. It was like the butt of every joke. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like when I came out about it, I had to be very like tactful, but slowly Mm -hmm. that turned into like a rage, I feel like. And I had this whole process of rage and then slowly I had to take that rage and I had to like, okay, like it's such a hopeless feeling. It feels like that determinism you're speaking about where it's just like, well, there's nothing I can do every time I walk down the street, this happens. And every time, you know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm. like, this is just my experience in this reality. And then Mm -hmm. taking that within and taking those beliefs within and like processing that within my own system ended up changing how I moved through the world in this interesting way that just had me being surrounded by less threats. And I'm still processing through a lot of stuff, but it's interesting to see just on my own, in my own psyche, how that's that transition in that area of life into free will has got healing. That's beautiful. I find that. But then again, yeah, the balance is important. It is. Because it is both. But sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, I I can relate to what you said. I felt a similar thing and I went through veganism and I felt like Mm. I couldn't. I had it was walking on eggshells and then I got a lot of rage because of that because I felt like I couldn't be myself and then people weren't listening yeah. to things that were really important to hear and but they yeah. should have been mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're yeah. like where did that rage have to go and it feels like yeah. kind of reminds me earlier we we're talking about holding space yeah it feels like you held that space for yourself you processed all of that and yeah what a cool thing to start as a society doing that for each other mm-hmm. to collectively start holding space. Cause the bigness of what needs to be processed, I think is asking for that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that mm-hmm. so deeply. I just got chills. It's like, yes. Like, you know, what if I didn't have to hold space for myself? What if the collective could have held that space for me? And or I feel like you. that's why, or with me. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why that's my main thing that I'm trying to do right now with the things going on in the collective. It's, it's like, how can I hold this space? for you yeah you know totally and I feel like coming together and having places where it's safe to be you and be seen and not have Mm -hmm. to filter or hold back and you know respectfully like no one's attacking anybody but like um like getting to talk with you ladies and you know Mm -hmm. my community um it feels like this is a place that people can be seen and nurtured for their differences and not too woo or too magical or too weird Mm -hmm. or too much, you know, and it's like that alone just feels so healing and it's like the nourishment that makes it so much easier to then be tolerant of our differences. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's interesting. I'm curious when it comes to the emotion of anger um, something happened in the town that I live in where it was a, a Remembrance Day ceremony and someone brought their own microphone and started in the middle of the Remembrance Day ceremony yelling about mandates around vaccines. And it was like, okay, your anger has spilled over into a place that this is 
you're interrupting other people's grieving right now. So it's like when, when anger crosses that line into that kind of righteousness and it's righteousness, like, yeah. Oh man, like you, yeah. you're almost hurting your stance <laughs> around yeah. your, your freedom yeah. when you invade someone else's boundary to yell about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Hurt yeah. people, hurt people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where like therapy and, you know, just having your communities of support is so important because yes, that anger needs a place and the place is not at this this remembrance day ceremony the place is maybe doing like release writing in your bedroom or calling up a friend and having an emotional release or you know some sort of physical activity or going to a therapist or whatever and then a bag of sand and beating it up with a bat yeah exactly (laughs) like these are the places to healthily release our anger and our rage that absolutely needs to be released and then Mm -hmm. when you come to the group and you come to like preach to the collective about your experience, people will be able to hear you better because that anger Mm -hmm. and that rage will be cleared and your, your language will be more clear. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm just talking with my hands like crazy over here. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all just enraptured by your hand motions. I, I just, hopefully people can just imagine. I just want them to know when they listen that it's, it's a hand dance. Of, it's very graceful. It's the Italian magic. It's Italian yes. magic following. It's funny. Uh, tr- true, true to his form, Oscar showed up with a wonderful image analogy. He was showing a kid trying to build something out of um, construction paper, but their hands were on fire because of the mm-hmm. anger so it's just it's just burning up the message you're trying to create <sighs> yeah yeah where yeah. if they had, just yeah yeah tended to the fire then it could have created a bit of a warm space to have this message mm-hmm. delivered instead of an inferno <laughs> right totally yeah it's a great it's a great visual and yeah. so i think what you're saying brianna's let's let some of those flames come down until we have like a an ember that can then mm-hmm. fuel things instead of consume everything yeah. mm-hmm. And yeah. just for those listeners, yeah. Oscar is one of Jessica's guides, so yeah. she checks in with him frequently. There's not another physical person, person. here, but Oscar <laughs> also gives us insight yeah. in yeah. case you're wondering. Yeah. All that was coming up in terms of um, the, the the child with the fire is um, the, the recognition of our, our collective innocence. Yeah, right? exactly. That, that beautiful mm-hmm. song that we are all innocent song is just like playing mm-hmm. in my mind oh, for the last totally. five minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. We're all big kids. Trying yeah. to heal our inner child, walking around Absolutely. in these adult bodies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And that goes so well into what I was going to say about, like, recognizing that, like, that's that's a child standing there with their hands on fire. That's not a grown adult that should know what to do with that fire. And when we're talking about yeah. these big issues that are affecting people's safety, people's, like, quality of life, people's ability to survive, this is... Mm-hmm deep, deep trauma. Like these are big issues. And I find a lot people are like, they shouldn't be talking about it so angrily. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's not the most productive way to communicate these things. There's other ways for them to channel this anger and to heal this stuff. And all of the things that have happened to them and to the generations before them have made it so that it's, they might not have the resources to go within and do that work right now. Like we need to do both. Like if you're in a place where you do have the resources and you are able to process your trauma, you need to be processing your trauma so that you can stand up for the collective in a healthier way. And if you're not, and you're just raging in these, you know, less 
you know, in whatever ways that you're raging to the collective, that's okay too. You know, like empathy and compassion and compassion for that experience and where you're at right now. Beautifully said. And when you imagine that, when you realize that, you know, we're all, we all have the inner child and they're, they've got, they went through a lot. Even if we had a quote unquote typical upbringing, there's still all kinds of stuff that, you know, we deal with and we're really sensitive and just imagining and thinking that, oh, those people that I blamed and the government and Trump and all, you know, everybody's like, well, they're just wounded little kids, you know, in part, they're also powerful beings that have potential for greatness. But I think when you bring in that perspective, it's so easy for the compassion to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm. compassion. And for yourself and for yourself too, right? It's like, I'm all, I'm innocent in this too. I give myself permission to have judged them. I give myself permission mm-hmm. to, you know, <laughs> to feel guilty yeah. about that. Like, yeah. what can I, how many times can I allow whatever it to be to be? And then. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just over and over and over. Can you just accept? Can you allow? Can you? Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I was dealing with a, a little um, forgiveness bump in the road that I've run into with, with a, someone who used to be very close to me and the, the story it's two years old and it came back and it felt just the same way it did when the experience mm-hmm. happened where I it was at the, the, uh, the bad end of the stick of them, them being very abusive. And, uh, I was just filled with all of these emotions. I was like, I need an external assistant right now. So I just immediately looked up a TED talk on forgiveness. And the one, <laughs> the one that I found, it was, it was just the simplest message. This wonderful person that had been through a lot in their life was like, can you think of a time where you wronged someone? I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you feel remorse? And I was like, yeah. And like, can you understand that the person that wronged you is probably feeling that same remorse? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like, mm-hmm. does that let you open your heart a little bit more? I was like, uh-huh. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it, yeah. forgiveness is such an interesting topic in my perspective. Cause it's like, if you feel like you have to forgive in order to be free. Yeah. If, yeah. It's, mm. it feels like forgiveness is part of the puzzle piece, but it's not the whole piece. Like there's the, I feel, I see the side of it where, you know, for me anyway, I felt like I needed to have an element of forgiveness. I was connecting with spirit of wolves and like when I had the whole nature is cruel and I can't accept that thing. And wolves were like, you just got to forgive forgiveness, you know? And when you, when you forgive, you open your heart back up and then it lets us back in because it's more painful to have separateness, to close off. And so if what you need at that moment is forgiveness to open your heart back up then take that and then maybe down the road perspective will come in of that we're all innocent. There's nothing wrong in the first place. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to forgive anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because I'm now just viewing forgiveness as that same idea of I'd rather be free than right. So forgiveness mm-hmm. is kind of dropping the, the holding on to the animosity of the pain that was given to you in that mm-hmm. situation that you're finding a difficult time forgiving, right? Can mm-hmm. you just let mm-hmm. go of the pain for a second and let yourself be free? And that's maybe all forgiveness really needs to be. Mm-hmm. to release yeah. them also, from this view you yeah. have of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's true. But also letting yourself get there in time, right? Like not ha- not rushing there and not 
being stagnant, like coming back into that stillness of like, you know, there's big things in my life right now that I'm, I'm on the road to forgiveness with, and I've forgiven in certain layers. And it's like, of course I, like, I want to get to that, that freedom state. So I want to like say, I forgive. And I've done that a lot where I said, I forgive them and I do, but I'm lying to myself about it. There's parts, there's pieces that I haven't healed that need to be healed for me to have that real mm-hmm. fullness. Mm-hmm. But I think freedom exists on many layers. You can have that experience of freedom in different aspects of your being. You don't have to get to the finish line. Totally. You don't need to jump to the destination of where you want it to be. It's like yeah. that acceptance piece. Like I give myself permission to not forgive right now. I give myself permission mm. to be angry about that, to feel justified in that anger, to yeah. be hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I and that. yeah, it's uh, really... Um, Amy Thiessen, who I'm doing some kind of voice coaching work right, with right now. She's a great coach in Calgary. And she mentioned expectations versus permission. Where it's like, as an example, I give myself permission to completely forgive everybody and be free right now. It's like, no, that's an expectation. <laughs> I give myself permission to be upset with this. Where can you, How far can you go where it feels real? Mm-hmm. And just stop there at that time where it feels real. And because as you push before you're ready, then it becomes an expectation you're trying to force. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good, I like that perspective. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because when you think about freedom, what is freedom really except just being completely at peace with all that is and just being, I don't know. Like, because when I think about that, that feeling of acceptance when you actually get there, that feels just like that weight off that it would Mm -hmm. feel like to also be fully forgiving. Like when you're fully allowed to be angry, it's like, oh, that feels so good. Like Mm -hmm. when you're fully allowed to express your woo-ness, it's like, oh, amazing. (laughs) But those are things that you give yourself permission to. Yeah. Exactly. Self-acceptance. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like when the inner child gets like, this behavior is not acceptable. And then it just gets mm. more bottled up and more upset <laughs> until there's more another mm-hmm. tantrum. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, it's okay for you to be angry, but you don't yeah. get to speak to people and lash out from your anger. <laughs> I will be a parent to you, but it's okay to feel this way. <laughs> yeah. There's Ram Dass was, I just absolutely love that soul. And he was talking in a, in a lecture one time and a woman came up and said, I find it really difficult to love myself. Like, I find it really difficult to love myself. He's like, well, that's really understandable in, in the world that we live in. Can you just start with accepting? Mm-hmm. Can you just start by accepting yourself? And I run into a lot of people in my sessions where if they, they know a lot about the energy centers and they, like, I'm blocked in my heart chakra. I can't love myself. And it's like, okay, well, the heart space, we might view it as the center of love, but truly what it is representing is acceptance. And I try to tell them, like, it's the space that represents the element of air, Think about throwing a ball through the air. There's nothing that inhibits that ball from moving. The air completely mm-hmm. accepts that the ball is moving through it. It's not loving the ball. It's just letting it be there. Yeah. It's letting I it move. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's about allowing. And it's just wanted to touch on what you said about having a hard time. The person said, I'm having a hard time loving myself. And um, I was talking with my our couples therapist the other day. And she said, you know, when there's self-loathing, it's a child trying to reconcile in an impossible situation. So, you know, as children, if our parents are behaving in a way that we don't feel safe or loved, it is 
our mind goes to being bad and wrong and self-loathing and because that is more more able to process that than not feeling safe with our parents who are there who are the ones to keep to keep us safe and so undoing part of that is that recognition of this is just where you went when you were or not I can't simple oversimplify it but I found that kind of freeing to see it in that way of that was just my young mind trying to process that but I can recognize now that I am safe and there's no reason to hate myself mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So when you when you say that it reminds me of a, one of the sessions that I did work with you um, where you kind of helped me the undeify my parents and mm-hmm. and move instead to looking at the earth as mother and the sun as father and recognizing mm-hmm. that they've never put any judgment on me they've never mm-hmm. like to, to recognize the safety in that truth that kind of macro truth of where mm-hmm. I really come from yeah. The, the, to feel the energy of unconditional loving mother and unconditional loving father. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. need that to come through our parents. As we got older, we're able to bring that in in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. even just gave me the space to understand and accept where their pain came from. Mm-hmm. Right? When I, when I knew that I had the safety of the, the big bodies, the big mama and the big daddy. Uh, it, it gave me a bit more safe to safe space to feel into what my parents and her children were going through. Mm-hmm. Compassion. You're mm-hmm. able to step out of the that generational pain mm-hmm. and see theirs, which frees you, gives you the free will to not carry it forward. Do you think that um, the ability to feel compassion requires a sense of safety? In order, question. in order to be able to go into compassion? The visual that's coming to me, like, it feels true to me in a way. Um, ayahuasca, when I did ayahuasca, she kept, for example, um, she kept every time somebody was being sick or, or crying, immediately I left my body and went to try and tend to them. And she kept bringing me back into my body. And it was this practice of feeling safe in my body and connected and empowered in my body so that I could meet those people from that embodied state. So when you say compassion without safety, to me, I feel like it's a bit dissociated. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not safe and in your body, you can still give that compassion, but it's, it's maybe not connected into the core of you. And so isn't as potent or maybe healthy for you. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That makes it, that really resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Because maybe, yeah, and it's interesting that disconnect, it's like, are you still having compassion for you or are you leaving mm-hmm. your inner child and mm-hmm. going to just tend yeah. to, yeah. 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 And I feel like that's where we start getting into the realm of like, it feels almost like a manic compassion. Like I need to yes. go be other saviors. and Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in doing so, bypassing stuff internally. Like the Marna <laughs> complex. It's like, oh, okay, well, this isn't... And then that's where, you know, um, like the archetype of the person who goes to try and help you with the problem you didn't want help with. It's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm being compassionate. I'm caring about you. It's like, person. no, <laughs> no. Like, I just need you to hold space. But if you can't yeah. hold yourself and be in your own body, how do you be yeah. that for someone else? Because it's... And then it's... 
easier to see the things we want to heal inside ourselves. It's easier to see it outside of us. And so it's, mm. you know, when, when by, part of the, when we do the work, it's part of the, one of the things that we, when we challenge beliefs and thoughts is, um, you know, if the thought said, they betrayed me, one of the ways we turn it around is, I betrayed me. So in what ways did I do that to myself? Mm. And it's a little bit different from the compassion piece we were just talking about, but this is an example of how, what we need to try, when we need to fix someone, something in someone else, if it's a need, I need to fix you. It's painful for me to see you not fixed. It's like, the, what is what is it that you are really wanting to heal inside yourself? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Self-acceptance yeah. is a mirror. Yeah, I really like that. I feel like we've gotten to cover so many cool bases. I sorry, I feel like you're processing something, Jessica. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm processing the entire conversation we've had. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we okay. So something that I'd like to kind of maybe begin wrapping up with is what is the way that you step into that place of healing or acceptance? Like if you see, if you feel out of balance. Or if you see a need for healing, what do you go to? Well, what's interesting for me lately, um, are you talking like on a very personal level? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for yourself. Yeah. And lately it's been extremely physical and elemental where it's a cold shower. It's a cold Mm -hmm. shower. It feels in, in Oscar, the the being I work with showed, um, I had someone asking why cold showers. And he was showing that, um, the, the cold and the water that's very feminine and very in the Mm -hmm. moment, very present. So when you get into the cold shower, you immediately, you have to be in your body. So it's like, it pulls your mind from the past and the future and brings you right here. And that has been one of the most important elements of my practice lately is to get back in my body and be here, be here, stop spreading myself out so thin and feeling so um, afraid for a lack of a better term, afraid and frayed. Like, I feel like I'm so mm-hmm. spread out that my fibers are like ee. doing the beautiful hand talking as well. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we're all energy workers, so it's like, <laughs> and yeah, the 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 uh, on top of that, the cold shower also creates that element of stillness because I have to be in the moment. And I, I found it very interesting the other day. I was having a really hard time, but I was out tying up some some grasses, just organizing fall things, uh, tying these grasses, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just do some work on myself. But I was sitting there doing physical labor while trying to work on my kidneys. And I was like, this is, doesn't work, Jessica. If someone was in a session with you and they were vacuuming, you'd be like, can you please lay down? So <laughs> it's like allowing myself that stillness. And I know this has been a big theme for you lately too, Brianne, is that stillness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I love that too with the kidneys, right? Because what do the kidneys need? They need rest. They need to like and cold water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And cold water. <laughs> How about for you, Brian? I think two things come to mind. The one thing is there's this 10 minute meditation I like to do where I don't put on any music. I don't have any intention going into it except to be. And just to like, I just set a timer for 10 minutes and I make myself lie there for 10 minutes. And it's a practice of just like 
being in my body, like just physically being in my body, not going in and psychoanalyzing and be like, oh, what's this pain? Let me try and unravel it. Like not trying to heal anything, Mm -hmm. just being in my body. And I find when I allow myself that presence for even 10 minutes, it's just everything naturally unravels itself without me doing anything at all. It's, I think for me, my tendencies in terms of my trauma has been like my coping mechanism was to dissociate. And so anytime I'm feeling out of balance, it's like coming back into my physical body, just being utterly aware of my physical presence, I think is the most centering thing I can do. Um, And then just nature is another tool that I use to do that. So going for walks in nature, I have a really intimate relationship with the plant world and I talk to plants all the time. And so when I go out in nature, usually what I'll do is I'll I'll talk to the the plants or the earth or my higher self, whoever, and I'll say, um, I'll put my music on shuffle. And when I hit it, I'm like, okay, take control of this and let these songs just guide me through wherever I need to go. And then I just walk through nature and I just stop and I talk to the trees and I just become present. Like what you're talking about, Jess, like it's like I become so insanely present because I get so like enamored by nature like just looking at tree bark or looking at the grass or looking at moss I get so infatuated that I completely forget about anything across time and space it's like I'm just completely present with this plant and this experience and that allows the space for me to to be I guess Mm -hmm. and to return to my self (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. can definitely relate to connecting with nature and it's an infinite well the deeper that you look into it then yeah. the more it opens up yeah. um, for me it's like going back to the simplest things often um, so just breathing yeah. I just reminding myself that that's number one and recognizing moments when I'm not doing it and how mm-hmm. different that really feels in my body Mm-hmm. so true yeah it is all of those you know like coming back to your breath just sitting still with yourself having a shower like all of those things are such big medicine mm-hmm. mm. this are so simple yeah so simple and all the mind loves to complicate things but at the yeah. end of the day it's really just <laughs> simple so okay so if somebody is going through a struggle right now if if Anybody out there feeling overwhelmed with the polarity in the world and all of this collective processing of, um, Jessica, I mentioned before we were recording, the dirty laundry. It's like, it's all here. What do we do with it? All of this stuff that's coming up. What would you want to say to them right now? Mm -hmm. Well, number one is you're 100% without a doubt not alone in it. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to make space to tend to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the same. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like I feel you. And this is an experience that a lot of people are having in a lot of different ways. And the earth is here to help us with it. We're not, we're really not alone. There's humans and there's healers that can help. And the earth is here to help too. We have plant allies all around us that I think can really just be that support mm-hmm. as well if you just go out you don't even have to have I don't know I have like a really dingy looking park right next to my house but I go there and I'm friends with the spruce <laughs> tree there and I'll just go there and put my hands on the tree and I'll just let 
let that stuff pour out of me because the tree knows what to do with it, you know, yeah. return it back to the earth and compost. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to speak to trees yet, just go be with it. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> don't still have to speaking. have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Communication yeah. happens in many ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. To, to add a little bit, to, to not make what you feel inside of you bad or wrong or try to banish it, just make space to allow it. And when you allow mm-hmm. it, it's a lot easier to let it move than if you're trying to push it away or numb it out or make it, a, a bad thing mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. exactly that's where it gets like the pushed into the shadows mm-hmm. let it let it breathe mm-hmm. yeah yeah like the shame cave and just like guilt and the heavy clouds that those things create and like resistance is so funny like sometimes I'll resist something for days weeks months and then when I finally stop and I look at it I'm like I don't need to feel shame about this I don't need to feel guilt whatever's coming up mm-hmm. and I just let it be I'm like I the emotion pours out and I'm like oh god that was so easy mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's it's healed now like it's I just needed to allow it mm-hmm. we're all innocent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yep <sighs> yeah and if you if you're trying to figure it out like if you're really grabbing onto it and you're trying to figure out the answer i recommend feeling into your awareness that's probably behind your eyes in that moment that you're trying to figure it out with your brain and just imagining your awareness like a ice cream cone on a warm summer day and just let it melt down into your heart space just let yourself come back down and drop the i need to fix this mentality and just let yourself be still like brianne said for 10 minutes just let yourself have a moment and I guarantee you're going to feel at least a little bit of space to breathe after that. Recognizing that you can shift where your awareness is in your body has been a huge step in my ability to be there for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Everything's an energy somewhere in the body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of, I think Ram Dass says this, um, like when you notice your mind thinking or analyzing or whatever, just, just say judging. You go, what I'm doing like just noticing what you're doing and just saying it no judgment about what you're doing (laughs) but Mm -hmm. just like oh this is what I'm doing okay and then every time you do it just say it again say it again until it's like oh okay yeah (laughs) it's not even like a a judgmental word it's just like Mm -hmm. I'm noticing you okay (laughs) awareness it's bringing awareness into the habit bringing Mm -hmm. awareness absolutely Mm -hmm. so if and I'm a huge advocate of getting external support as well. Um, I have gotten support from lots of healers and uh, I can well, probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so with that, if someone wants to work with um, either of you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? You want to go first, Bree? Sure. Um, the best way would probably be I have my email, venusandchiron at gmail.com. I also have a cal- Calendly page. You can find the link for that on my Instagram, venusandchiron. So that would probably be the quickest, easiest way. You can also DM me on that Instagram page as well. Yeah. Mm, awesome. And they can go and listen to your podcast there. You can go listen to my podcast. Yeah. That's true too. There's the I created that podcast to kind of be like a free resource for people that are working through this stuff to be able to listen and learn some tools to develop their intuitive abilities and set boundaries and ground and things like that. So there's lots of content mm. there around that. 
Mm-hmm. Fantastic resource. Yeah. 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 And there's an episode where we do some pretty intense body work on me. So if you want to kind of get a an idea of some of the ways that Brian can work and and just how good she is at what she does, because I think it was a great showcase of your strengths. Um, Yeah. And for me, it's zen.lasagna at Instagram. And um, just you can shoot me a consult or uh, shoot me an email or book a consult. We can kind of just have a moment to figure out if if working together feels right for you, we can talk about what's going on. And it's just a good way to start the the conversation in terms of doing work together. So you can book a consult, even if you're unsure. It's okay. <laughs> yep. No pressure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, thank you, ladies. I love you both. Thank you so much I for you your wisdom. Yeah, I love you both so much. And I, I can't stress enough, I needed this conversation today. So I, I love how timely our, our uh, get togethers always are. Right. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nourishing. You got to be with your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would love to do this again. So maybe I'll invite you guys on to the, the medicine show. I'd love that. I'd love to have you ladies on here again, too. Mm-hmm. Make Definitely. it a semi-regular thing. Yeah, I was going to say I would yeah. love to do like little group group get-togethers. Just cycle our pod around our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the little pod. <laughs> yeah. A little mini pod within a big pod. Yeah. <laughs> It's making me picture like three little peas in a pod. Like, yeah. oh, that's so cute. <laughs> They're just our heads. <laughs> I can just see Brianne's smiling face as like a little pea. <laughs> smiling back and forth. Oh. <laughs> well, on that Sweet delightful peas. visual, I'm going to. Thank you for listening to the My Body Free podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jessica and Brianne as much as I did. I just love those ladies and it is so much fun to hear their wisdom and to explore deep concepts and ideas around healing and connection. As I mentioned at the beginning, I got to work with them for a full year and it was really special to see them grow and become the incredible healers that they are today. And if you are looking for a change in your life to heal, to step into your own power and magic, then the mentorship program could be right for you too. It's coming up in January and spots are limited. So reach out and schedule a free discovery call to see if this is the right fit for you. And you can learn more on mindbodyfree.com slash mentorship, as well as find me on Facebook and Instagram at yourmindbodyfree. Thanks so much. Sending you my love and talk next time.